Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 achievers growing our lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Thanks to Indeed for supporting Earn Your Happy. Indeed makes it easy to connect with your applicants. No need to install anything extra. Indeed's virtual interviews work from your browser. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit. To upgrade your job, post at indeed.com slash happy. Offer good for a limited time. I'd also like to thank StoryWorth for sponsoring my podcast. StoryWorth helps you share stories and memories. Give all the dads in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. StoryWorth and save $10 on your first First purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash Lori. What I found is that I appreciate all the struggles and all those things because of those things taught me things. And it was more about me keeping my eye on the path forward. You really do create the reality that you see. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm really excited to be interviewing a founder 
of one of the fastest growing whiskey companies. Now, if you are not necessarily somebody who wants to put a product out into the world, the reason that I am interviewing so many founders and co-founders right now is because in order to do the things that these people have done, it takes a certain kind of mindset to be able to deal with the uncertainty, to be able to think really creatively. So I dig deep into what makes them tick and how they think and what routes should we be looking for when we have a big vision and we want to put it out into the world. Also, you guys, if you don't know, I am shouting out your reviews on my Quickie podcast. So if you go write a five-star review and leave a comment, make sure your name is in there if it does not match your actual username, I want to shout you out. So I want to know who's listening. Go ahead, leave a review. That means the world to a podcast. It is how we get ranked and how we get out into the world. So if Earn Your Happy has ever added value to you, it would mean so much that you go rate, review, and while you're at it, text it to a friend because that's how we live. (laughs) That's how we live on with our shows. So today I'm really excited to have this conversation with Brittany Merrill Yang. She's spearheading the fastest market rollout in history of the spirit industry. She's the co-founder and managing partner of Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. If I didn't have you at whiskey, I had you at peanut butter. At least that's how I felt. Chemist turned, lawyer turned, spirits brand owner. She absolutely knows what it's like to dance in different types of entrepreneurship. She was one to watch as she took her husband's wacky idea of combining peanut butter and whiskey and turn it into a shelf-stable product and Hollywood favorite that reached national distribution in just one short year. You guys, coming from this industry right now, I know how hard that is. An industry disruptor and a woman making waves in a male-dominated industry, she's a highly educated woman juggling Parenting while running a leading spirits company, creating a brand that goes beyond just whiskey. Screwball is a lifestyle that is welcoming to all manner of weirdo, maverick, and misfit that brings people together in a world of uncertainty. When she's not taking over the spirits industry one bottle at a time, she enjoys spending time with her daughters and getting off the grid while traveling to far remote places with her family. So let's dive in to the way that she thinks so that we can adopt a little bit of that mindset too. Let's get started. Brittany, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I always love meeting a fellow beverage business owner because I feel like we should just sit and hold each other and rock each other like babies for a while and say, how has your journey been? Are you okay? It's a tough industry. Yeah, but also like, so I can't imagine doing anything else right now. And I think that part of that, I'm just so glad that I went in a bit naive. And I actually think that any business that I've started, I tend to say that to some business owners, like there is a good mix of naivety that is actually going to help you out because you don't want to know everything. You don't want to know all the problems that are going to come or you may not start. But I feel like if we didn't have problems, we would not have a business. It's what we do. We, we solve them. So I'm so excited that you're here. I can't wait to talk all about your business and all about your awesome peanut butter whiskey, which it's like, it's 2 p.m. I feel like we could probably start drinking that right now. But as you were saying, sometimes as a biz- business owner, we don't get to do that. So <laughs> don't always get to do that. So Brittany, Tell me a little bit about the company that you started and why you started it. 
So we have screwball peanut butter whiskey. It was a peanut butter whiskey. It was really based on my husband had bars and restaurants. And so he had created a peanut butter whiskey cocktail. And like you said, I think there's a little bit of be naive. And I was like, we should totally bring this to the rest of the world. It's an amazing cocktail. So it was your idea. My idea really to bring it to outside, he wanted to keep it as a cocktail. And I think having the experience of being in the bar and seeing so many good brands with lots of money fail, and they had already gotten to over certain hurdles getting presented to the restaurants that I think it was a lot more for him to kind of get over that. But I really saw, I think we always joke and we give ourselves less credit than we actually deserve. I think there is the naivete, but it's also really seen through. I saw this market of men, women, people that don't like whiskey, people that drink wine, liking and coming over and trying this. And so I really saw a market for it and it ended up being right. There was a market for it. A lot of people in the industry didn't necessarily think it should exist. A lot of people outside didn't think it should exist. And now it's been one of the fastest growing independent liquor brands. That is so awesome. Congratulations, especially just because I know being in this, I know how challenging that is. So that's why I'm even more excited to kind of dig into the, just the thought process behind it and what it feels like to be moving forward in an industry where everyone is telling you how hard it's going to be, why it's probably going to fail, showing you examples of failing. And I think that that I'm always really excited to talk to someone like you because I think it converts over to everything. I think everybody's dealing with this in some form, but it just happens to be in your face a lot in the beverage industry because there are so many examples of failure every single day. So tell me a little bit just about that time for you where you saw the opportunity. What does that mean when you see the opportunity? Like, what did you sit down and put together for, let's just say, for example, like for your pitch deck to convince other people of this opportunity? For me, I like to sell them on the vision, right? We, like I said, my husband was probably the first person I had to convince because he was like, I've seen it so fail so many times. And it was when I put together a brand, I put together an identity, it became something separate, something, it had this living organism to it and really convincing people that it was more than just a flavored whiskey. I think they're like, oh, there's a million flavored whiskeys. There's every flavor on the market. What are they going to come up with next? You're just a race to the bottom. And so really kind of distinguishing ourselves from what has been and really showing that peanut butter is a unique flavor. It's a flavor that we all grew up with. We've I, I don't even have to do all of the advertising to get people to love peanut butter. They love it. And so it was really getting them to fall in love with this brand and this thing and seeing more than than just a product. I think they have to see the people behind it. They have to see the story, the meaning, putting together. I think one of the biggest things too is in this industry, it is a very poetic industry. There has to be a story. There has to be a life behind these brands. You don't really see that in the food industry, but you see it in the spirits industry. They want to see who came up with this, why. And so we, I think one of the hard things is I don't come from the liquor industry. My husband's an immigrant from Cambodia. I was a chemist turned lawyer. You know, this wasn't, it didn't necessarily make sense, but that I think is a problem. I think some people think about it very rigid, right? They're like, you have to be this, and this is the pedigree. And I was really showing him, it's really this modern fairy tale of what we have created. And it's a modern story. It's a different story. And I think people have really gravitated to the fact that it is not the same story they've heard over and over. 
I love this so much because, you know, this podcast is so much entrepreneurs and people who have products or authors or coaches or, or things like that. And a lot of it always, whenever I interview people to it goes back to painting the vision, like really getting people behind the vision. I know you said the food industry isn't so much like that, but I'm even seeing some of that like lean now. People just want to know the story. They want to know the founder. They want like their money to go somewhere and mean something, even if it's just because they like the person in the story. So now you have the idea, you have the vision, you've like really leaned into the vision. You could see the, the market for it. What were your thoughts on how to get this out? What were the modalities that you already kind of had experience within? And then what were some that you knew you were going to have to go into and how did you get into them? As you said, the liquor industry is very interesting. And one of the most interesting things that makes this the hardest yet a very interesting, and I, I kind of have learned to love it, is we can't sell direct to consumer. So we have this whole thing where we have to sell to a distributor and so we have to get their buy-in and then they go and sell it to the retailer, like the grocery store, and then the customer can finally get in. So this is this three-tier system and there's like this disconnect between us and our customer and the people we were trying to please. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, I need to get this big distributor to buy in right away. So I have all this muscle and that's what's going to do it. And I think we... I said, I don't want to do that because I'm not going to negotiate. And maybe this is a lawyer. me. I'm not going to negotiate a good contract if I'm starting off as a little guy and they're not going to be, they have a thousand other products to sell. Why are they going to sell mine? I needed to show that, that there was going to be success. And so we started with a guy who had never done distribution before. He had a license to do it. And we we talked to him and he's a, a great friend of ours still. And so really working on building that model to show hey, here are customers, here are them enjoying it and really showing what we can do and doing that on a very small controlled scale so that we have that platform rather than, I think there's so much of, I think you see it on Instagram all the time is that that iceberg and they don't see all the stuff under. And I wish we would show more (laughs) of the under because I think there's just one of, hey, look, I got this big distributor and, and I don't think that that's necessarily the, you know, like I would be proud of these smaller steps that we take. Such a great point for everybody listening, because sometimes we're like, I think it's great to shoot for the moon, but also sometimes that's not actually the best route. Like having a little more, I'm trying to just talk to all different types of entrepreneurs right now, but having a little bit more control over your brand in the beginning is typically good. Sometimes that big thing that we think is going to be the shiny thing because this person got it or this person got it. So it must mean that it's great. Can have you like exactly like what you said, you kind of are giving up majority of your control in that way because you're not the person who has the ball. They have the ball in their court in those beginning negotiations. And you can burn those relationships because right, if you start with the big guy and you don't have, you're learning as you go. And so it's good to build that experience. And it's, I mean, the way I would just think about it is, you know, it's like if somebody gave you a job that was three times above what your position is, it would be like, oh, this is great. But then you might fail at it. And that's, yeah. you know, whereas like, if you build yourself maybe up, learned. <laughs> you know, maybe if you, if you actually go through the steps. And so it's just really, I think, learning every part of the process and making, I like to make, I assume I'm going to make mistakes but I want to make those on a smaller scale. Okay. So if you could go back to Brittany, when you were starting this out, what's your first business advice? You can tell her three things. You can go back and tell her three things. What would you tell her? I think the the first one is to really just have more 
trust in yourself. I think I put so much on the fact that these people had experience in the field and they knew what they were doing and they don't like they do, they do, but they don't know your brand. Just kind of like when people give you parenting advice, they don't necessarily know your child. Like there's things that you can do and you have this gut instinct and you always have to go back to that because you're ultimately going to be the one dealing with the the problems. Like one of my favorite things is I love people give you tons of advice and you, maybe you don't take it and they'll be like, they'll never take credit that like they told you not to do it. Right. Like that, that was <laughs> bad advice. Like nobody right. ever takes credit. They take credit for their good advice. They don't take credit for their bad advice. And so I think a lot of that is trusting myself this industry was, and I know they, they call it Shark Tank for a reason. You really just feel like there's so much out there that you don't know and they're swirling around you. And it's tough, but I think we, I think like we said, we, it was really just trusting more of my gut and listening to people a little bit less. But I think it's important, conversely, I think it is important to hear everyone out, but still feeling confident in your decisions. Oh. I mean, that is so timely for me right now. You have no idea just because I've gone through this a lot, but there's one thing right now that I'm like, but they know more than I do that. I'm like, but it doesn't feel right. It's so easy to just be like, yeah, but your feelings have been wrong before, which is true. My feelings have been wrong before, but they've also been really right. That's such good advice to hear. I think it's really one of the things that I've always done with myself is that there is a gut, but I should also be able to articulate it. And so when people are saying things and telling you, no, you listen to it all and you can, it's good to be able to articulate, Hey, I appreciate the advice. I get it. It does not work for me because X, Y, and Z. And so I think that when, for example, they were, they saw it more as a flavored whiskey, but we didn't, we weren't creating this line extension, right? We were creating one brand for that product for that. And so they, I I think there's just really, I know the price was a major thing where the most premium price flavored whiskey on the market. And it was just one of those things they are like, there's, you're dead on arrival. You're not going to do well. And for us it was, but we're selling a product that we created to taste the best that we could make it taste. And we didn't create it the same way another company would, where we thought about cost of goods. And if I am going to sell it at a lower price, I'm going to make it a worse product. And that to me is not an okay trade-off. We talk a lot about your zone of genius on this podcast. And let me tell you what is not in my zone of genius hiring. You guys, I can only do so many things and hiring is a full-time job. If you feel the same way I do, then you need Indeed. It's a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a hiring partner that's powerful that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. Instant Match is one of my favorite things Indeed features because it does the hard work for you. When you pay to post a job, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Not to mention, searching for and interviewing candidates can 
tend to be costly. And there are always reservations about paying for a service that might not get you the results that you're hoping for. So I love that Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash happy. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash happy. Indeed.com slash happy. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What was the thought around, we can maintain this price and it's going to work for people? I think there's multiple levels to it. Ultimately, when we came, we, you know, and that's like you said, the naivete. So a normal person in the industry, and but I think that's the beauty. We approached the project from a different standpoint. And so we created something nobody else would have created in with all that experience, right? So they would come into this and say, I need to be on 1999. I need my components to cost X, Y, and Z. And that's how I'm going to get here. We approached the problem and said, we want to create the best tasting thing we can do. What, what do we need to do to create the best tasting product we could create? And so it was the, the quality of ingredients. And like you said, we wanted to have the brand and the outside of the package reflect the same thing. And I love beautiful things. And so I was like, I want this <laughs> to look beautiful in my house. And so I, I, I know that was a weird thing that most people probably would not have thought of, but I was like, I want this to look beautiful in my back bar or, you know, wherever I display it. Totally. I'm totally with you. It's why I buy stuff. Literally. I think it reflects the same because if I create a quality product and then I don't put anything into the packaging, it's kind of like how, when you're at a restaurant and they have a dirty bathroom, it's that people, they want to see that you've put the time and energy into it. It's not just a pretty package. I think there's some companies, unfortunately, that, that spend so much time on a pretty package and not enough on the product. But to me, it was more a reflection that I wanted to keep that same pride on the outside as I do on the inside. This is so interesting for people listening who are like uh, thinking about creating a product of any kind. It's kind of like your North Star, you guys decided early on was going to be like taste above everything else, especially for an actual consumable, right? Like that's, that was my theory when creating as well. I was like, okay, you know, we can make it super cute. We can make it really low calorie. We could say it's got to be these macros because this is what people want. Cause that's Actually, it's so interesting. I'm sure you did so much R&D. So many people said that they wanted like a certain calories and certain like amount of sugar, except at the end of the day, they're like, if it doesn't taste good, I won't buy it again. And then I won't care about the calories or whatever. I was like, this is so funny trying to create from that. Did you experience that at all? I think that's why you need to take everything with a grain of salt. And that's why I said people don't take in life. There are choices and you can't make everything important and you can put your best foot forward on every line, which is what I said. Like, like I said, every line, we try and put our best foot forward, but you can't optimize every column. And so you have to choose the order of operations. This is what comes first. This is what comes second and, and all of those things. And so if you're listening to everybody, you're going to be running around and chasing your tail. I think my husband does that more. And that's where he'll be like, oh, this person didn't like it. I want to change it. I'm like, no, (laughs) 99% of people like it. That's it. You're not going to, it's okay. And that's the one thing I think that a lot of people make the mistake of is it is their baby and they want everyone to like it. And being okay with 
not having everybody like it. The the irony I'm calling it ugly. You know, <laughs> the, the irony we said is um, with the research and development, they said they'll go to product if like three out of 10 people like it. I mean, that's not a very high margin. And so when we were getting nine out of 10 people liking it, I was like, we're no three times that we're good. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. I did not know that. I love hearing that. This is awesome for everyone listening, because I think in the beginning as an entrepreneur, you're so afraid of people not liking you. Like you're not, you don't even want to get the criticism online. You don't want to be told they didn't like your, that someone didn't have a good experience in your course, that someone doesn't like your book. Someone doesn't like your tech talk, your product, whatever it is. And it's so great to hear from somebody who's out there, who's doing so amazing in an industry that's that's challenging to just like go forward with that one thing that you know that you are or that one to two things that you really, really know that you are and you want to be that light you up. Because at the end of the day, it's like you can get behind what you've done because that was your North Star and you don't really mind if you're not put in a category with all of these other things because clearly there's enough people. Why don't we, why don't we talk about that? Like just the numbers of like the sea that you're fishing from. I think the realization that you don't need everyone, you actually just need a very small piece of the pie to be successful. What were your kind of thoughts around when you were thinking about more like people and market share of of how many customers that you need to feel like this was a success? So it's kind of interesting. I think when I see those business decks and they're like, there's this many people in the industry, I actually like write that number off. I don't even care about that number because that to me is... Like we kept saying, you're not going to reach them all. You just need to reach a good amount of people. And and I am the worst person on this because I'm, I came from science and I came from all of this. And then you would think I'm like a super big numbers person and, and numbers matter, and, but trends and correlations and things of those nature matter to me more. And so I like to look at, for example, when we do a tasting in a grocery store, how many of those people can we convert to actually go and buy it? Those numbers matter more than the, hey, this is how many we're selling, you know, because those might, there's so many other factors, right? Of how many people know about it. How many people have tried it? All these other factors that come into it. And so what I really care about is if I am touching, you know, not necessarily physically touching a customer, but if I am interacting with the customer on a one-on-one basis, can I sell them my story? And, and I know that like a lot of times you have to think about the scalability of that, but if I can do that, then that's like my first, there's nothing wrong with the product. I can still convert people over. And so kind of going from there and making sure that is very strong. That's my thing that I always go back to. I get to be in a lot of rooms with a lot of entrepreneurs who I get to hear like their, why, what's stopping them we do like a lot of entrepreneur masterminds. So we get to go around and hear the ideas or, you know, what worked, what didn't work, what, what are the things that are really stopping people? And I love what you're sharing because a lot of what stops people and part of what felt like I wanted to like throw in the towel was because I got really overwhelmed with looking at what people were telling me, how ideas and businesses needed to be pitched. Like I had to have all these numbers. I had to look at these comps, are you kidding me? Like if I look at the comps of these big companies out there, like I get so overwhelmed and feel so small and it feels so far beyond anything that I feel like I could do in that moment that it's really easy to just get lost, right? Like, or feel like you're getting lost when, if we can go back to, but did this work with the people who I know 
would be the customer. Did they like this? And following that gut instinct of, I know this is a good thing. I know it's supposed to come out. Maybe it's not supposed to be that huge thing yet, but going back to just following that little step by step, it's really, really easy for our dreams, our little seedlings to be massively crushed, like within those first seasons. So for you, who did you have? Was it, was it your husband? Did you run in a circle who was like, believed in you and kind of like pumped you back up after you would have those days where you're like, I don't know, maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe we are just going to like throw all our money away. So, and this is kind of going back to my, my chemistry background is the way I, I take it. And I think it goes back to what you said about having enough energy to start. And so I always liken it to, um, there's this theme that they talk about activation energy and then that's the energy that it takes to get to the top of the hill. Right. And then at, when you're at the top, you can either go all the way back or all the way forward. And once you kind of hit over, there's no going back. And so I always say about putting enough of yourself, your energy, everything into it in that beginning to where you can't go back and going back isn't an option because it doesn't matter what your parents, you're, everybody's going to be like, oh, we believe in you and all of that. And, and quite frankly, I think your friends and family are the ones because they're afraid of you, not afraid, they're afraid for you of yeah. what's going to happen. And so they're just like, they're like, oh my gosh, uh, are you sure you don't want to go back? Like they actually probably would hold you back more. So I think you really have to go in. I, I always remember when I was going to quit my job and I went in and I talked to my dad and you have to understand my dad had like, he was the, the person who had been laid off for six months and was pretending to go to, to a job just to, you know, make sure and, and ends weren't getting met, but, but we, you know, I, I was kind of oblivious to it to some extent, not completely, but you know, so from his perspective, I had a chemistry degree. I was working in law. I was at this big law firm. I had this great career where I had a, a stable paycheck. Everything was like, this was his dream for me. And for me to say, I'm going to throw it all away and I'm going to do this peanut butter whiskey. And I have a baby on my lap as I'm saying this. And, I love this so much. <laughs> and my dad, who is a very like, he's more manly. He, you don't see him cry very often. He's not super emotional. For, well, he, he is emotional, but not, you know, you know, the one that shows his emotions and he, you see that wallow up in your throat. I mean, you that physical gut falling, throat clenching and the tears. And he's just like, but he also wants to be respectful. Right. And so he's like, why? I don't, I don't get this. And, and I went and I talked to him and I, my favorite part is that he, at the end of the conversation, he's like, I have one more question for you. And I was like, all right, you know, and he's like, why haven't you already quit? And it's the, the thing that I, and the thing that I had told him was I have worked so hard to be an incredible employee. I can get another job. Yes. I'll be back a few years. Yes. I'll have this debt. It's stuff that I'm taking on all of this <laughs> knowingly, but I'm not necessarily going to have another opportunity to see this out. And so I think he, he kind of realized that, but like I said, if you just listen to your friends and family, I think they're going to try and stop you from doing this, not because they don't want you to be successful, but because they know there's so many other stories on the other side. If you follow along with the podcast, you know that my parents were staying with me for a couple months of staying out in Arizona to work on my closet. And I've really been trying to get to know my parents a little bit better, learn about their past stories. And I 
recently heard a new story about my dad that really got me wondering how many other stories don't I know? And that's why I got StoryWorth. StoryWorth is offering $10 off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash Lori. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserving them for years to come. How cool is this? It's the perfect gift you can give your dad for Father's Day to show you care. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad or father figure a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like... What is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or one of my favorites, what has been some of your life's greatest surprises? This one might shock you. Well, these questions may seem so simple and straightforward. It's really amazing how much they actually uncover. It's been so enjoyable reading my dad's answers because while I like to think I know him well, there's so many things that I don't know. You guys, my dad was raised in an orphanage and adopted at the age of 13. So let me tell you, this guy has some incredible stories that I'm still trying to dig up. Here's the best part. After one year, StoryWorth complies all of those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. My dad is seriously the best, and he just built, like I said, my entire closet in our house, and now we can document that as well. Give all fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. Story worth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash Lori. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash Lori to save $10 on your first purchase, storyworth.com slash Lori. Tell me about your relationship with regret then, because clearly there's a part of you that has your mindset is obviously pulling you in the direction of your dream. There's no going back for you now. So I want to know about kind of like, what is that voice in your head that keeps you going? Like that decision-making point that you're like, this is the mindset that I know I can attribute to why I will continue on this journey, no matter how hard it gets. I think that every single successful person I've met has always said the same thing to me. And they've always said things happen for a reason. And they've always said that every time they were down, something better came along. And, and I used to always say that. And I have really just in the last month or two, I feel like that's almost egotistical of me to think that like the world and the universe is going to like, it's going to work for me. Right. What I found is that I appreciate all the struggles and all those things because those things taught me things. And it was more about me keeping my eye on the path forward. Right. I think if I took my eye off the ball and said, Hey, this horrible thing's happening the world is against me and all of those things, then I would not be able to find the path forward. But because I had that belief that things happen for a reason, this is going to make it better. And I believed that there is a path forward that I, I find it. You really do create the reality that you see. Um, and so, so that's the one thing I've noticed of everyone that I've talked to, they've always been like, things happen for a reason. And so every downturn and I'm there are things that I regret but I don't really regret them in the sense of that if there is that that God bless the broken road right there is that realization that if those bad things didn't happen and I didn't make those mistakes there's other mistakes I would have made there's maybe worse outcomes that could have happened and so even though I like to think I would I don't want to go back and redo them <laughs> um, but at the same time I'm thankful for what they have taught me 
Oh, I so feel you, especially in the beginning when you don't know what you're doing yet and you don't really have someone to ask. And the industry is so different that even when you ask someone in your industry, their path is a little different than yours sometimes. Like, you're like, this is great, but I think my path is going to be different or my people are different or this is for a different person. So you don't really get to find a mentor sometimes and things. We can get a lot of outside help, which is like true. I'm sure you guys got a lot, a lot of outside help in conversations, but at the same time, you're going to mess up a lot. Can you tell me about just how you keep a positive attitude about the founder, the CEO, or the leader that you are, even when you're feeling like every week, there's like a big mistake every day, like, or something that you're like, well, didn't see that coming or, well, that relationship wasn't what I thought it was going to be or that contract. I didn't read it thorough enough. Can you tell me about that? My favorite, and like you said, with mentors is, you know, and we didn't have many, but I really liked listening to to people and, and when people talk, really listening to them. And so one of, we had met Vern Underwood, who he owned uh, Young's Market Company, which is one of the largest distributors. And then he owned Infinium, who we were now partnered with. And when I was talking to him and we're like, oh, you've done these amazing things and you've made all these great decisions. And he goes, well, I'm going to stop you there because I've made a lot of decisions and I'm not going to tell you which decisions were good decisions and which decisions were bad decisions. I've made a lot of decisions and on a whole, I think they've been better decisions than, than the other way. Cause I've been successful. But I think that's the thing is it's, I think we so want to blame each and narrow in and say this decision, this decision, but there's times where you make a bad decision and it ends up leading you down a road that you wouldn't be down. And I think one of the things they say is that failure is the highest intensity learning environment and it will make you avoid all these other mistakes down the road. And so it's really keeping that mindset that like really just looking at the situation and saying, what is this trying to teach me? What can I do better next time? And so, and, and maybe that is, I worked as a lawyer with really high stakes cases and you can't just be like, oh, flub that up, like, whoops like, and go to your client, you know, you have to move forward. What can I do now? What can I, how can I, I fix it? And it's really that keeping your mindset less on the dwelling of the issue. It's really compartmentalizing and saying, okay, first let's quarantine, like quarantine the problem, see what we can do. What can we do to move forward? And then once the fire is over, then kind of going back and reassessing and saying, what could I learn from it for the next time? It's so funny. I have the word compartmentalizing on my paper to ask you about next. Like what your process is around, like taking emotion out of things. And you pretty much just share that. So, cause it's, this would be interesting because you work with your husband. I work with my husband too, but not in this new company that I've started. So now we're pretty separate in this arena, but I did work with him before this in a couple of our companies that we ran together. And it was blaringly clear for me that as a woman, it took me a little longer to separate my emotion from things. It's not everybody, but I'm curious if you had to like learn how to compartmentalize maybe things that happen in your company and, and separate your emotion a little bit more than maybe him or just, is that a no? Were you the person because you were in law, maybe you were able to do it more? I think that, you know, with the the law and coming, I'm much more that person of separating my, my husband's a very passionate individual. And I think he, he struggles. Oh, so with you guys flip-flopped. Yes. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Okay. So I think he struggles with it a little bit more, but I think the best thing for us is actually when the company is smaller, I think it's harder because we don't have our clear roles. And so we're 
both doing everything and it's so much harder where we clearly, like if you just talk to us, you'll see we're very different people and he has his set of skills. I have my set of skills and it's really good when we're both working together and doing those. It's hard when we overlap. But I think what we've done is, as, as this has grown is we really respect, really respecting those differences. And I, I, I had heard, you know, it's like they were talking about power couples. And I'm not saying we're a power couple, but they were saying it's really the, the, the difference isn't just like two successful people. It's two people that are successful in their own right. And they really have respect and amplify that other person's traits rather than competing with each other. Cause I think it's so easy. You know, I think a lot of highly successful people like that's what they want to do. They want to be like, I'm the best, I'm the best. And you can't do that in a relationship. You can't do that within a business and you, you can't be worried about being the best. It's really putting this brand as a separate person, kind of like your child, right. And trying to say, what can we do together to make this better? Okay. So industry learnings, where do you guys go right now for when you are wanting to grow your company even more? Where are the modalities that you like to learn? Is it, is it podcasts? Is it books? Do you, is there something within the industry that you like to go and do? Is it all of the above? Is it other couples? Like, how do you like to grow yourselves personally? And then how do you like to go discover how to grow the business? I think they're, they're different things, right? So with, with the business, I think one great thing is we've learned it's a small industry. So once you've learned it, you've got all of these amazing people at your disposal. I think one of the things that we've struggled now is we have less people telling us the honest truth before people were telling us the honest, like, Hey, I don't like this. And less and less people are doing that. And so I think that's not as helpful. And so now the modes that we look to are different, right? Before we would look for industry people to, to, to give us criticism. I want the criticism. If you're not giving me criticism, like I am not doing everything right. You that that's not really helpful. And so, you know, lately we've have having to do more consumer research and actually going to the customer because they're not going to be polite to me and they're going to tell me what they really think. And so the modes change as your position changes. And sometimes I see what, and then also going down, right. Making sure that your employees ask going to your employees, asking them what they're seeing. And it's really just the modes change as your position changes, as a company grows. It's not just one source the entire time. When you were growing your team, number one, did you work with anyone to help you grow it? Number two, did you know how you were going to grow it? Or did your business tell you like, dang, we need somebody in this right now? What did you think was like most important for you to get in place for your business to grow in the beginning? So we're still a very small company. I think we have less than 15 employees. So it's very, very small. And one of the most important things for us is that we want to make sure that as the company changes, it evolves, it has different needs. And so when we would hire someone, we want to make sure that they can grow into a position that there's a constant position. And so I think it's really easy to hire too many people and then just have this like very dysfunctional system. Whereas we've tried to keep it a slower growth of people and use, you can look to outside agencies, you can look to things to handle what needs to be done now, while not creating a long term, I believe hiring an employee is a long term commitment that I'm devoted to. And I think it's more for them to leave us and that we've given them enough skills for them to, to go on to their next job than us you know, letting people off. How have you made sure to grow your network or get into different networks or 
email people and ask people that you want to connect with for questions or things like that. Because the reason I'm asking this question is so many people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know this person, or I don't have the network that you have. Well, we both did not have that network either. So tell me a little bit about your kind of like theory on relationships and in, in business, why they're important and how you grow your network when you need somebody in it who's not in it yet. I think that every level, top to bottom, everybody wants to feel appreciated and respected for what they have. And so I have never found a person that I've asked for help and said, hey, can you give me advice on this? And I've never had somebody go, ah, I don't have time for that, right? Like I've noticed that people are very willing to, to give that advice. They love giving that advice. And it's great to find organizations and thought and places where people can share those and then and appreciating them for that. So I think it's like you said, it's it's everything. But I think you have to find something early on. I found that you have to find something that's true to you. Right. And so they have all of these do this and give out all these cards and and X, Y and Z. But it really has to be authentic to you. And I like to form deeper relationships with a smaller number of people, but those people I know are more connected and I can kind of go to them to, to help me, to point me, make those introductions. My husband is great at making relationships with lots of people. And so I think it's just ultimately people see through inauthenticity. And so if you're going to be there and just be like schmoozing and, and it's not respectful to pretend like, oh, I want your opinion on this just because I really want to like create a relationship with you. And so it's about creating authentic friendships with people rather than just, hey, this is like the number of people that I can contact. Yeah. And it's so interesting if you are someone who I, I prefer smaller, like a smaller amounts of people, but going deeper as well, man, but sometimes you just like need to shake those trees till you find those people. You're like, wow, I'm an introverted extrovert. So I really like smaller containers as well. So that's also encouraging because I think people who are, are, you know, I know for me, even when I was starting different businesses, I would look at people and be like, oh my God, do I have to be like an extrovert and constantly networking and doing all of these things in order for my business to be successful? And that was like exasperating because I also love being at home, like with my husband or like working from home. So can you tell me a little bit about what your kind of daily workflow looks like? I know it's different all the time, but it changes every day. You know, you're working really like finance side, then you're working marketing side, you're working all different things, production, operations, everything. So I don't think there's a, a day I wake up and know what I'm going to do. It's really all over the board. I will say that, like I said, me and my husband kind of separate things. And so he loves, and that's the one thing I think everyone thinks like, oh, you have to be an extrovert. And a lot of the examples, it's like more than this men versus women and this and that. It's really, there's a lot more extroverted examples of entrepreneurs. And you really don't see that extroverts like to take on introverts, right? And you can hire extroverts and people that do business development if that's not what you like to do. And so I like to really see things. And so sometimes when we go and I want to see the market, I'll, I, I actually purposely don't go by myself because if I go by myself, then I have to talk to the person. Well, not, not that I have to, but I, I don't get to actually see what's going on, right? I don't actually get to walk around their restaurant and see things that are going on. And so sometimes I'll go with somebody else and then I have a conversation with them, but then I also get to go and see the customers and hear what the customers are saying and, and do all of that. And so, I mean, and that really goes back to, I think everyone thinks you have to do everything yourself. And there are things, I think recognizing what your strengths are and where you need help is important. 
Mm. Tell me what your zone of genius is and then what you absolutely could not wait to get out of because you felt terrible at it. I love marketing. That's like my baby. I love it because it's, it really is. I saw something that said it was the intersection of all things human. It really is. It's like very humanistic. It's creating this relationship. I love that because I think a lot of people think of it as business and and manipulation. And I don't think it is. I think it's really fundamentally, like you said, creating that relationship. People are looking for that relationship with like what they know about the product and everything else. And so that is what I love. I hate all of the paperwork of compliance and things. <laughs> not not compliant. Like we, it's very important, to be, but you know what I'm saying? Just all the like tax, this and that. So like de- super details, like not your favorite or. It's not the detail. I don't like like tax systems that where you, there's no overarching themes, right? It's like, you have to read a book. Like I love areas where there are overarching themes. You can learn them. You can be ingrained in them and develop an expertise. I hate things where it's constantly changing and I just have to listen to somebody go and read a textbook on why, why you have to do what you have to do. And so I leave that to everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. That's the death of my soul as well. So I have someone who's helping me with that. Honestly, a business like this makes you so grateful for other humans who have an opposite skill set of you. Like I literally want to send some of my people flowers daily and be like, thank you for not having me do this because I'm so great. So great to find people that actually truly enjoy that, right? Like they have passion. Literally got a text from my chief of staff. It was like, I'm literally enjoying going through all these legal documents. And I was like, oh, I just love you so much. Like, I love you. Okay. So if I was a fly on the wall with you and your husband, while you were out to eat and just talking about your dreams for the future and your dreams for the company or things that really are lighting you guys up right now, like just in those, in those personal moments where you guys get really excited about things that just the the future, what are some of those conversations that we would hear? Well, one of them kind of happened recently. We were at the store and we're horrible people and we we go and we'll go to the aisle where the screwball is and nobody recognizes us and we'll be like what is this peanut butter whiskey and the greatest thing ever happened was this woman came up to us and she was like I have to tell you this is the greatest thing ever and she was telling us about me and my husband's story she's like he's a Cambodian refugee and she's like a lawyer and a chemist and like she's telling us all about this and that to us is what lights us up because it's just it's the passion. And that's like, where, like I said, I love the marketing. I love connecting with people. And I, I've been, like you said, with the vision, my vision is, is, oh, we, when we built the, when my husband had the restaurants, we always really tried to be part of the community, donate to the community and do that. And this has been allowed us to do that. And so recently we've been able to, he actually went to the border of Ukraine and was able to get donations. And we were building like a putting money towards putting an an orphanage for kids with disabilities. And so really doing, getting back to the community and doing all of those things that this has enabled us to do is really what makes us passion and lights us up. Well, I am so grateful for you. I will be buying all the peanut butter whiskey for real. We have a lake house where we'd like bring all of our friends and we will have, we, we had like the hunt, we had some honey whiskey and things like that. And so all the guys love whiskey. So we'll make sure that we put that up there. And I literally cannot wait because now I feel so bought into your story. It's crazy. So thank you so much. And you just dropped so much wisdom in all regards, whether you have a product or whatever business that you have, you just really have a beautiful, insightful, grounded 
mind on business. So I really, really appreciate you. Where can we find it? Where can we get it? We all need it now. Pretty much any major chain, any local chain as well, or any local liquor store. So it's pretty much everywhere. And if it's not, you can always go to our website and we have all of the places that we know of that are listed. Amazing. And that's just screwballwhiskey.com, correct? Yeah. Okay. Incredible. You guys, one of the best things that you can do for our guest is to let her know what your biggest takeaway was. So we will tag you. What's your Instagram handle? And we can tag Screwball Whiskey. So if you could give those two handles, that'd be awesome. So mine's Brittany Merrill Yang and Screwball Whiskey. Amazing. You guys definitely give her a follow, shout her out, let her know what your biggest takeaway was. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. 
It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthday.com slash Lori. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust or monetize your audience when you get community right not only does your audience grow faster but so do your sales but where's everybody going to be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to Circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.